This morning I preached in the church and I said to them, so many times we come to hear the gospel, we want to hear what God wants to say to my neighbor. <laughs> we want to hear what God wants to say to the guy that sits next to me. No, no. It's what God says to you. And when, whenever God speaks, His word is a word of good news. So we can't wait to hear the voice of God. I remember times when I was afraid to go to church when there was a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> you know the feeling it's terrible man it's terrible I mean you go, you go to church where you're supposed to feel better and there you hear how bad you are and I was scared to go to the, to the church because I, I would confess all my sins bad thoughts everything I've done because maybe the man of God just because I'm a, because I'm a preacher you know there was always this thing if you if you uh, preach publicly you are rebuked publicly so I was very scared, you know, because, you know, I was in that category. So, um, but thank God, when we come to His house, you know, when we come to His, His throne, we come to the throne of grace to obtain, to obtain mercy and help in the time of need. You know, when you go to McDonald's, you can't buy pistons for your car there. Because they don't sell that. They sell food. Amen. Welcome. They sell food. That's what they sell. They don't sell uh, uh, oil for your car, spares for your car. That's not what they sell. They sell food. And the same with the throne of God, the kingdom of God. There's no condemnation available at the throne of God. There's no judgment towards you at the throne of God except the righteous judgment of God. It's where God declares His decision that He sees you righteous in Jesus Christ. And I'm not scared to stand in front of that judgment. Who's scared? We want to be judged like that. Amen. Isn't that good news? Now, um, because of you, we can't sing tonight. Because <laughs> it's not my fault. Because that room is too small. And I've been, I came through twice this week looking for a place. Can't find a place. So, we will do it this way until we find a place. You know, that's a bit bigger. Um, amen. So, um, right, Lorraine Willifier can stand up. <laughs> she, she hates this. I've never done. Now you've been like a grap. You see, I've been too lenient on you guys, so we can't give her money. <laughs> So it's Lorenz's birthday. It was a birthday on the 16th of June. So happy birthday. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. And I just confess over Lorraine. She's blessed. She's prosperous. She's healthy. She will just always understand your goodness and your kindness and your love for her. I thank you that she's special in your eyes. And I thank you that she will always look into the mirror of your grace the mirror of the resurrected Jesus Christ and see yourself that way in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that you will never see a shortcoming in her life but the fulfillment of Christ and the joy and the life that flows out of her that will just continue and multiply because it will be as a result of the, the multiplication of the revelation of grace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Right. Um, like I said, we... Let me see what other... Um, okay, those of you that are here for the first time, 
we've got um, a mailing list, so you can you can get onto the mailing list if you want. Afterwards, on the table in the front, we've got the scale model there. Um, you can fill, fill in the form there. Um, give your cell phone number if you want to get on the SMS list. Normally, I will once a week send you on a Saturday a message on um, what I'm going to preach on on the Sunday. And um, right. Remember all those that has placed orders for CDs to go and collect it there if you haven't done that. And our next service will be on the 12th, 12th of July. Okay. And then after that, Vessel and I will, will go away to Zambia. And we're going to preach there. Amen. For two weeks, we'll be back for the next service. Amen. Right. Okay, let's open the Bible. Do you know where? (laughs) Acts 15. (laughs) You know, I preached on this this morning a little bit at another church, but from a different perspective. And it was so nice that I felt I've got to mention it here before we get into uh, spiritual warfare and what it's all about. Now, for those of you that that um, know a little bit about spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare I talk about is not about binding Satan, um, trying to pull powers out of the air to the ground. You know, we've got enough trouble down here. So, (laughs) we don't try to pull the devil down. Um, You know, we don't try to cast the devil out of everything. We don't try to see a demon behind every bush. It's a completely different perspective. It's all about the grace of God and staying in the grace of God. You know, when you go to a church and they preach about the Holy Spirit, then you will receive the Holy Spirit. When you preach about healing, you will receive healing. You know, if they preach about uh, peace, you're going to... If they preach that you can have peace, you're going to have peace. If they preach about devils... No. So we don't preach about the devil. <laughs> Amen. Because we don't want people to receive devils. And if I come here and I tell you, listen, man, you... Can, um, if you've got something wrong in your life and you continue to struggle with it, it's a demon. And most of us have been struggling with stuff all our lives. So immediately everybody qualifies to have a devil. And let me tell you, if you believe you've got a devil, <laughs> there's a big chance that you'll get one. So we don't want to give devils to people at church. It's like the one Satanist said, you know. said when they were in Satanism, they had to slaughter cats, kill dogs, call down curses upon themselves... And then they struggle to get a devil. But when they go to church, they get them for free. <laughs> so, because whenever you've got a sin, it's a devil. So that is not, we're not talking in that direction. So just to give your heart peace, it's all about what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen. Right, let's go to Acts 15. I want to talk quickly on finances. You know what's so nice about the message of grace? It doesn't matter what you talk about. It makes you happy. <laughs> Amen. Now this is... Um, since we don't have worship, I can enjoy myself. 
Amen. Right. Acts 15 verse 1. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small uh, discussion, dissension, and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. So there was a question. There were certain people that came and they preached and said, if somebody that is a Gentile gets saved, just, just believing in Jesus is not enough. You must also be circumcised. And they were very strict about this. To the point that there was a major argument. And the argument was so strong that Paul couldn't um, convince them. So they came with a very strong argument. You must realize if I come to you and say my name was Paul. And I say to you, um, listen, I got this revelation. I... Uh, I, read, I read the Old Testament and then God said to me, <laughs> we don't have to be circumcised anymore. But they've got the original writings, authenticated, written by Moses, that God said to Abraham, you must be circumcised in Genesis 17, even with these words that, and this will be an everlasting covenant in your flesh between you and me, and it must happen to your descendants. So who are you going to listen to? <laughs> I mean, Paul looks very weak against the power of the written word. So th- that's why there was this major discussion. So they said, let's go to the apostles that walked with Jesus, maybe they know something better and they can help us to sort this thing out. Because Paul said they shouldn't be. Then they came, um, they came let's go to verse 4. And when they, when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church, and of the apostles and the elders, and they declared all the things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. Now listen to that. There arose certain people from the Pharisees which believed. So they are not Pharisees. They are believing Pharisees. They are Christians. They are born again. They believe. But they are still following the customs of Moses. Now listen to what these people taught. Saying that it was needful to circumcise them. Now, obviously they had, when it said them, he said Paul and Barnabas and some other people went up, which out of this I take some of them were Gentiles that got saved. And these people said, well, let's just circumcise them right here now because they need to be circumcised and not just be circumcised, also follow all the other customs of Moses. Okay, now listen to this. Saying that it was needful for them to be circumcised and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for, to consider this matter. Now people, this is the most important church board meeting in history. I tell you, it is. And if we could just go back to what was explained here, we will not have a, a, a hundredth of the problems we have today in church. 
So then there had been much disputing. Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So, what is he saying? Remember, one day uh, Peter came and he preached at a place and there was Gentile people there. And while he was preaching, bam, these people started to pray in other tongues. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. Which was, to Peter, the sign that God approves of them as saved. And he gave them the Holy Spirit. And these were heathen people, or Gentile people, that believed in other gods. That sinned. They didn't follow any of the customs of Moses. They weren't. They never tithed. <laughs> you thought that the last thing for salvation was tithing? It's not so. It's, your tithe does not, you know, it's not that seal. The Holy Spirit was the seal, not your tithe. Well, anyway. So they did nothing according to the law of Moses. The people, the Gentiles of that time couldn't come into the temple to hear the reading of the law. The law was not even for them. It was never written to them. They were ignorant of the law. Okay? It was written to the Jewish people. So here, they came and they listened to Peter preach, and wham, they also received the Holy Spirit. A sign. God says, you are saved and your heart is already cleansed. He gave the Holy Spirit as a sign of him that has already cleansed their hearts. Because they only stood there and they believed. And that was enough. And now Peter takes that argument. And he says, listen people, this is what happened. And then he said, um, now therefore, now listen to what Peter says in verse 10. Now therefore, why do we tempt God? Why tempt God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples... These people that just got saved, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. Now listen, he says, why tempt God? By saying these people need to keep the law of Moses and believe in Jesus Christ. That is not simply, oh, you know, we're a little bit vetis, you know. No, no, you are tempting God. That's, that's what it says there. You are tempting God. Now, <laughs> the way I can explain this, and I said this morning, there was a time when I sold vacuum cleaners, you know, because I wanted some money to go to Nigeria. When was that? 96, 97, right about there. So, um, you, you <laughs> now I was selling those big green clean machines. Now, when you stand in the mall, you don't worry about the men. The woman, when she sees that machine, you know, okay, she's coming, you see she's coming closer. The thing that makes you angry is when something distracts her. Like her husband, you know, <laughs> saying, lovey, let, let's go here, because she knows already. Once she's there and I start to demonstrate the thing, you know, he must pay. yeah, he must pay. <laughs> 
it's all over. You know, there's a big chance that he'll have to buy the thing. Because maybe he will not buy it there, but later, you know, next week and the week after that, it's always going to hear that in the ads on the TV and whatever. So, um, I would get upset if somebody would distract that person. And in the same way, here God comes with a gospel of grace and He draws the attention of the Gentiles. And they see this loving God in the gospel. And it draws them closer. And they come closer. And as they come closer, quickly, the believing Pharisee. Remember, you can believe, but you also need to do all these things. <laughs> well, now, it's like this flatshoe book, you know. 300 rand. From Cape Town to Johannesburg, but the tax is 2,000. <laughs> you know, it's like there was some, there's hidden things there. And that's, that, that's what happens. So what he says here is actually tempting God. It's, it's making God upset. You know, when we come and say, believe and. So then they came and said, okay, let's just do something about this and write a letter to the Gentiles that says what we think they should do. Let's go to verse 18. This is James speaking now. So everybody got a chance to speak. It says, wherefore my sentence, verse 19, sorry, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. We trouble not them. So, how do you trouble somebody when it comes to believe in Jesus Christ? You trouble him by giving him some other things on top of simply believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ as salvation in every area of his life. You trouble him. So he says, let's not trouble those people. Now, <laughs> so many times we think, you know, and, and the way I was brought up is, if we just bring in some law, we help them. We help, I mean, you help the pastor, you help with order, you know, things go smooth. We've got our, our guidelines, you know, by which, I mean, we can't just trust God living in people. I mean, that is just not... Let's put down some, some guidelines to make sure that we can install a little bit of fear in people so that we can use that fear to hook their hearts, to draw them to obey commandments and fall in line and do what they need to do to look holy and live holy to get saved. And that's what happens. Now, I don't say this happens willfully. Paul even said, I persecuted the church. But not willfully. You know, not knowing, with ignorance. Ignorance, not knowing what I'm doing. And I think 95% of the time, most leaders don't go out and say, well, I willfully not, uh, uh, um, you know, I know the grace message, but I push it away, but I want to manipulate people. Most people aren't like that. Most people that come and preach the gospel are sincere. I've seen it. Like the, like, like, like the Jewish people. Paul even came and said, they are zealous for God, but not according to knowledge. So they have a heart, but not according to knowledge. But it doesn't matter if what you do, what the, what the motive of your heart is. The result is the same. 
If you sit under a message of death, if the guy knows what he says, or if he doesn't know what he says, the result's the same. If you drink poison, thinking it's water, do you think you're going to live because you think it's water? No, no, you're going to die. Because the poison <laughs> will still kill you. In the same way, it happened here. So he said here, let's not trouble them which from amongst the Gentiles do turn to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain. So he says, we're still going to write something to them, just four laws. <laughs> but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols. In other words, you can't have anything offered to idols. And from fornication, and from things strangled, and from blood. Now many times you stop there and say, well, you see, there is some laws that came over. But let's see why he said that. Chapter, verse 21. For Moses of old time has in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. So what he said is, there are some people that do believe, but they still go to the synagogue. They still read the law every Sabbath day. So, let's tell these people, these, these Gentile uh, uh, Christians that got saved, just to do some laws, so that there can be peace between the believing Jews and the believing Gentiles. Because the Gentiles, I mean, they don't worry about something offered to a, an idol. They just eat it. They've always been eating it. So now they just believe the friend comes there with some stuff that's been offered. Let's eat together. He doesn't worry because he believes in Jesus. But now when, the, when he goes with that stuff to the Jewish person that believes, it's a big problem. And there's fights in the church. Now, like I said, I want to speak on finances here. He did not say, he didn't write down there, tithing, in those laws that was put onto the Gentiles. And even if you go and read later on in the writings of Paul, he even says, what is a gent- what, what is a, 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 a idol? There's only one God. You know, you don't even have to worry about that. And he even made an end to that. So what's actually saying is, let's not trouble people. Now I'm not saying that we shouldn't give. I'm not saying that you cannot, if you feel in your heart to give something, give it. I'm not against giving. Because if I'm against giving, I'm against the very nature of God that indwells you. And that's wrong. But to say, a law came over, you know, unto, I mean, the, 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 the Gentiles didn't even know of the principle of tithing. They didn't even know what it was. It was never taught to them by Paul. The believing Pharisees came and taught that message. And that was now, it came over from generation to generation. So I want to say to you, when it comes to tithing, we're not under the tithing law anymore. We don't tithe to be blessed. We don't give to prosper. Jesus Christ's resurrection was enough, it had enough power to prosper you, my friend. To give you peace, to empower you, unto all prosperity. Amen. Amen. Now, the only thing is, there can be fear in the hearts of leaders because how are we going to pay our stuff if we don't use the tithe to get people to give? Because there's stuff to pay. But I believe that once people hear this gospel, 
They want to, I mean, the nature of God starts to indwell people, and out of a free will, as every man determines in his heart, he does that. Amen. And that's how we live. We can't live under this condemnation of, I must do this, then God's going to bless me, I must do that, then God's going to bless me. We can't live under that. That is the law system, and the church of Jesus Christ has been troubled all over the world by a message of do's and don'ts, especially in the area of finances. And the problem is, when I tell you what, what the gospel of grace does, it makes you content. Now, that's a word that many people don't want to hear. I don't want to believe grace, but because what's going to happen if I'm happy with where I stay? <laughs> what's going to happen if I'm happy with the clothes I have? What am I going to do all day? You know, because all day I've been worrying about how, what I must do to get more. So, I don't know about this contentment thing, but what's going to happen if it happens to me? <laughs> well, I tell you, that's just part of the gospel. That's just the way it is. It's like one guy said to me, he said to me, Bert, you know, I've heard this message of grace now over and over and over. Now, what about bearing fruit? <laughs> you know, I said to him, it's like, if you steal something and they catch you, what's going to be the fruit of your works? So then you're going to go to jail. I said, do you need five lessons in how to go to jail? No. I go there against my will. It happens to me. It's the fruit of my actions. In the same way, I want to tell you, believing this gospel of grace, the fruit of it is contentment and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what's going to happen to you. You're going to start to drive in this town and not see all the beautiful cars and wish you've got them. You're going to drive here and look at other houses and be happy with the one you stay in. That's what's going to happen. You're going to look at somebody for the first time in your life and you're going to see who he is and you're not going to see what he possesses. That's what's going to happen to you. You're going to see the true value of people. That's what this gospel will produce in you. So we're not going to be afraid. This is what the gospel produces. And I believe out of that comes, out of that contentment, for the first time in our life, we can be who we really are. And if we feel that we want to give, we can do it. Amen. Hallelujah. So we don't have to be afraid. I believe church leaders don't have to be afraid. Will God provide for them? God will. If you hear this gospel, you'll be set free from that more, 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 more thing. Now, I'm not saying stop to want more. Because you can't. It's impossible. You will always want more. And until this gospel brings forth that fruit in your heart. Because by human effort, you can't get it right. You can decide until you're blue in the face, I'm not going to want more stuff, I'm not going to worry about money. You can just lie to yourself. Forget about, do I want more or don't I want more? Remember what Christ has done for you, and you'll find an emotion in your heart coming called contentment. Now, that is what God wants to produce in you. But what has happened through, through so many years is, the desire that's in the hearts of people has been used... To motivate them to give. So that is the purpose of the gospel in the area of finances never finds its place in the hearts of people. 
They are always desiring more. But the lustful stuff is only used as a motivator saying, you know, that lust is going to be fulfilled if you do this. And they never get set free. Always feeling far from God. Whenever a business deal doesn't look right, you say, God, what, what, what wrong have I done? What have I done to deserve this? Not knowing we live in a normal world, man. God's word to the rich is this, don't trust in uncertain riches. So what is he saying to the rich person? Your money is not stable. Now if God's telling you your money is not stable, it will never be stable. <laughs> oh God. All of a sudden fear, but God is stable. And he is your source. And he provides for you. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to say this to you when it comes to finances. Never be manipulated. Never suppress the desire in your heart when it comes to giving. Don't suppress that. It's foolishness. It's like having a desire to do something good, you know, for your family. But you willfully suppress it. I'm not going to do it. I mean, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You know, it, it, you've always desired to be like that. You've always desired to be good to your family. Now that you get the feeling I want to do it, now you don't want to do it. Don't be manipulated by people. Don't suppress what God does in your heart. You know, because that's how, that's how He will live in you. The way, you know, one thing I've realized in my life is my body, my possessions, what I have, is what's available unto God to manifest this Grace message to others. To preach it to people. Amen. So don't be manipulated. Don't suppress. Never, never, never walk with guilt when it comes to your money. You're a free person. God has set you free. And the last thing I want to say about finances is what you have, and a friend of mine spoke to me today. He said, he said to one of his former friends, um, the guy said to him, no, he, he's giving, he's a yellow oos, his whole crop, he gives it to God. So he said, okay, now what do you mean by that? So when you harvest, everything you make goes only for God. You're not paying any debt with it, you're paying nothing. Everything is now God's. He says, no, that's not what, it, what he means. So I said, what do you mean? So many times we say those religious things because we actually are scared that we're not going to make it through so that God can, can get this thing through and once it's through we grab a hold of it again <laughs> and now we're going to govern God's money for you you know <laughs> no no you don't have to give God your whole business God has given you the business God cannot use that business in heaven what's he going to do with that business in heaven that business has been given to you my friend it's your business the wisdom, in the, the, even the wisdom to run it, God's given you. Hallelujah. God, God gave it to you. So know that it's yours. It's not God's, it's yours. But you have a God that can always advise you and give you a, a sound wisdom and clarity in how to do your business. Amen. Sometimes you walk with this guilt. The more we make, you know, Oh God, you know, the more, the more you make, the more in debt you feel to God. We come with deals. Lord, if this deal comes through, then I will. Stop lying, man. <laughs> Just say, thank you, God, that you always bless me. Amen. 
And do as you purpose in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So, let's just stand up. Okay, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Let's go to uh, the famous spiritual warfare scripture in Ephesians, chapter 6, and, and verse 10. It says, finally, breth- finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, that is the most important thing about spiritual warfare. It's that scripture right there. It's, it gives us basically the whole outline on spiritual warfare, how it works. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And then the rest of that chapter concerning spiritual warfare basically speaks on how are you strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And so many times we read it like this, you know, uh, finally my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, put on the whole armor of God against the devil, power and principalities. Uh, okay, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, now we're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Lord, I put it on in Jesus' name. You know? <laughs> huh? Every morning you put the thing on, you get dressed every morning because you undressed every evening. You know, so... Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> That's not what we do. That's not what the spiritual war is about. You know, um, it's not about... I remember there was times when... when uh, and I've said it many times. Uh, we did spiritual warfare close to Kimberley. And uh, there was a, a small township there called Ritchie. And we decided we're going to take Ritchie for Jesus. And um, <laughs> so the one guy... Uh, um, uh, I, I, I just got into the grace message and wasn't into this walking around the place anymore. But... I was like the only one. And everybody was, let's walk around the place. I said, yeah, let's walk. I mean, everybody, they were seeing devils. You know, I walked with them. And and they felt that God says, we must walk around that place. How many times was it? Seven times. Do you know how big that township? It's a small township. Until you must walk around the thing for seven times. And I realized that we weren't busy with spiritual warfare. We were busy with exercise. It wasn't spiritual warfare. I got that feeling of when I was in the army, you know, and you had that fast bait with the blisters and all that. I mean, some people came back, you know. Hallelujah! We did spiritual warfare, bless God! What happened? It seems to me we took your voice. Because we're binding the devil, you know. And that's not what it is. Spiritual warfare is not about trying to bind the devil. It's all about understanding how powerful the resurrection of Jesus Christ was, that you are included in that, and that whatever happened to Jesus, happened to you. That's it. And everything, most things in this world, uh, uh, that comes against us, is designed to take that knowledge away from us. And we're going to look at how the devil works. What he does, you know, to get that away from us. Okay, so it says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Let's open in chapter 1, um, Ephesians 1, verse 8. It says here, um, let's read from verse, chapter 1, verse 16. It says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now that's a very important thing. The spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So many times, you know, and what Paul was praying here is not, you know, pe- people can come for counseling, people get advice, and it's good to have knowledge about certain things. So I, you, you come and you can ask me, Bertie, what do you think about tithing? <clears throat> you know, then I tell you, listen, I believe it's under the law, and I explain the whole thing to you. Oh, hallelujah, and you get a wonderful revelation. But tomorrow somebody comes and says, let's bind the devil over town, and God's going to give us a breakthrough. And then you're busy with that again. So you do have knowledge in certain areas, but there's not a spirit of wisdom. In other words, that whole attitude of wisdom that you can take, and wisdom is the correct action upon the knowledge of the cross of Jesus Christ. So, how are we going to apply what, what happened on the cross in this area? That's, where the whole, that's what it's all about. So, he says, I pray that you may have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of understanding. So, when I open here, I start to see it in the light of the gospel of grace. When I open here, I start to see it in the light of the gospel of grace. Everything. And that's what he's, what he's talking about there. So, when we, open, when we uh, uh, receive from God, we don't want just a knowledge in certain areas. What Paul wants us is an understanding and a thought pattern, a light through which you see everything. It's like in the old apartheid days, you know. Um, you saw, and I, I mean, maybe not all of you, but it was like this. When you look at people of other color, you looked with a mindset of they're already stupid. You know? A lot of people, it doesn't matter what he does, it's dumb. You know, so you're going to look from that perspective. And then you only see the foolish things. In the same way he says, and that is just a spirit of deception. Now he says you're a spirit of grace, a spirit of wisdom. So you see everything from the perspective of Christ. When you talk about finances, you see it in Christ. When somebody comes and says, sowing and reaping. Immediately you see, Jesus was sown for us and we're reaping his everlasting life. You know, everything is in that light. Everything is in. He, he, oh, he, he became a human being, making me godly. By doing that, God became a human being. So, he, he makes me godly. Okay, he obeyed on my behalf. He died on my behalf. He was resurrected on my behalf. And in his return, the fullness of his physical body will be manifested in my body. Everything starts to. That's a spirit of wisdom. That's what he prays for. He says, and this is what it is. It's, it's the eyes of your understanding enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in you, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So, he says... Spiritual warfare. Let's recap. Number one, let's be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Number two, we have an enlightened mind to understand what Christ has done for us so that we can know how much, what the greatness of His power is that works in us, which is the power that raised Christ from the dead. So the power that works in us is a certain power. It's a power that takes something, it's a power from death unto life, which is at work in us. And he says, be strong in that power. Be strong in the revelation of 
The death he died, he died unto me. The law man is dead and he was raised up. Jesus wasn't made alive by obedience to any law. He was made alive by the Holy Spirit that raised him up into who he is today. That's what the Bible says in Romans 5 and Romans 6. He says he was raised by the Spirit. Unto what? Unto who he is today. So when we receive, when we believe on Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit. What happens? We are raised from the law unto grace. The very life of God. And he says, be strong in that revelation. Don't be strong in your shortcoming. Don't be strong in the next five steps to make you prosper. Don't be strong in the next five steps to get God to have pity on you to heal your sickness. Because that is the message that comes to the church that troubles us. We are to be set free and live with... uh, It says, be strong in this power of God that works in us. So we are not... Yes, we believe in the power of the gospel, but we also, we are strong in grace, but we are also strong in the law, and we are strong in many areas. No, no. Be weak in every other area. Die in every other area. And be strong. It's like people say, oh, you come over maybe too strong concerning this gospel of grace. No, no, no. That is, thank you, I've done it. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says. Be strong in Jesus. Not strong in Moses. Not strong in your own works. Strong in Jesus and in the power of His resurrection. What is this power? A man died. And the power of the Holy Spirit took a man that died and made him alive. Let me tell you something. It's something that's very difficult for us. And when I was at TB Joshua, he said it to me and it, it blew my mind. He said, if somebody's dead... For one minute. You need the same faith. The same amount of faith to raise a dead man that's dead for one minute. Because if something's dead, it is dead. And to raise a man that's dead for a hundred years. Because he's dead. A dead thing is dead. man. <laughs> huh? Now, when Jesus died, when he died, his body died. The law man was dead forevermore. My sinful passions and sin and the power of the law died there. And from there he was raised unto Jesus, the human being, the Son of God. Jesus that functions and lives by the very nature and the Holy Spirit that indwells him. And everything that he is is because of the Spirit that indwells him. So they've got another mentality. I mean, we've been raised from the mentality of I do to get to the mentality of He is in me, therefore I am. We've been raised from the I must become to the I am mentality. And not just a mentality, truth. He says be strong in that. Strong. Not weak, strong. Hallelujah. So when, when something comes and wants to say the, the opposite, we, no, we are strong in this. It's like my sister wrote, <laughs> she's radical. She says, I don't tolerate any attack on my identity. She, she wrote this, she says, I think Satan gave up on me. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's the thing. I'm a new man. Hallelujah. Right. Let's go to chapter 6 again. 
He'd be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. So what is it? Where's the might of God? What makes God mighty is the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life. The power of God is directly connected to the power that raised Jesus from the dead. What makes God powerful in your life is the resurrection of Christ. And you believing that is the manifestation of that power in your life. Amen. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, um, it says we must put on the whole armor. We'll get into that. That word wiles, wiles of the devil, is the word de- uh, devices or thoughts and purposes. Deception. Okay? So it's a deception that it says. There's deceit. There's deceit. So he says there's a deception of Satan. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you will be able to stand against the deception of Satan. Now what is the deception of Satan? Now it's very easy. Let's go and look at Jesus in the Garden of Eden. How did he come and try to deceive Jesus? Jesus was the Son of God. When he was the Son of God, he lost basically everything. He was in the desert, not even having drink. Without food, without drink, for 40 days in the desert. Do you know what, and I've said it before here, you can become mad. You can lose your mind like that. Being in the desert like that. When he was hungry, when he felt need come to his body. Then the devil came, when he saw that need, when he felt the need. He said, listen, you can meet that need that's inside you by doing a miracle. So, you can prove to yourself that you are the Son of God by doing a miracle. Now, was the sin to do a miracle? No. So, he used something that wasn't a sin in itself to deceive him thinking into the mentality of I am what I do. That's a deception of Satan. Now, he says here, Put on the armor of God so that we can stand against the deception of Satan. So, when it goes, I've also seen this way, let's talk about business. When it goes well with you, he can also come to you this way. You know, it's the power of your hand that brought this to you. Making you believe that you are what you do. When you are poor, he says, you are poor and in need. And if you do this and this and this, then you can become that. So, who you are in God is based on what you can perform. And that was enough deception that if Jesus would have obeyed that, it would bring a fall to the Son of God. So, we can't think we're going to stand against that type of thing. That's the deception of Satan, my friend. It's the deception of Satan. That's why the Bible says, why do you want to, the people, they, are, they believe in Christ, now you want to bring the law, which is the whole mentality of, you must do to become. Also, and implemented there. Killing people, man. That's what it is. That's mocking God. That's what you actually, that's what it is. It's mocking God. So, we don't want to be ignorant of these devices. Let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12. 
He says, now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things... Oh. Sorry, that's First Corinthians. I hope it's the right one. Did I write it down wrong? Verse 11. It says, verse 10, to whom, we, to whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive, uh, for if I forgive anything, to whom I forgive it, for your sakes I forgive it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get on an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So we are, that device is also the word deception. So he says here, let's forgive each other, because we are not ignorant of the devices of Satan. Because he will take the thing that's wrong in your life, and he will always try and hammer you on that thing. Because if that thing produces more and more and more sin in your life, he will come and, come and tell you, look at the sin in your life, the sin in your life is determining who you are. And if you start to believe him, you are in error. And that belief system can kill you. It can kill you. It's exactly. So, we want to stand in, we, we know the wiles of the devil. We put on the armor of God, which is being strong in the message of the resurrection of Jesus. And we put that on every day so that we can stand against when Satan comes and tells us, you are not, you must become. You are not, you must become. You are not successful unless you've done this and this and this. You are successful when it goes well with your family, when it goes well there. That's a lie. We became successful in the resurrection of Christ. Amen. Every believer standing the success of Christ. And as we are convinced of that, our hearts go to rest. Out of that rest we can make good decisions and live a peaceful life in this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's read on. Are you still following me? Thank you, Jesus, for this gospel. Now, why did I... Sorry for this man. Ephesians 6. Let's go on. It says... For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against princi- uh, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So, he says, we know what, what Satan wants, therefore we are strong in the doctrine of Jesus Christ, because this attack comes spiritually, it comes to your emotions, it comes to your understanding, it, that's how the thing comes. Verse 13, Wherefore, take on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand. Now, evil day. That's a very important word there. That word evil, in the Greek is a wonderful word. It's the word that says, full of labor and annoyances, pressed and harassed by labors or works. Isn't that awesome? That's beautiful. So he says, there's a day full of annoyances. You know, on a, Mondays, <laughs> the devil attacks her on a Monday. <laughs> Full of annoyances. Remember the word that I read in the beginning? Why do you trouble them? And it's, that's an annoyance. Being troubled. There comes a day when you will be troubled with the message of works. But be so strong in the gospel of grace 
and in the power of the resurrection message, and no other message, but that's the only message, that when that day comes, you can say, I don't care. I still stand. It's like one of my friends has put on a blog now, um, uh, some of the people he's been really looking up to in ministry um, started to uh, really preach the tithe. You know, hammering the tithe message, you'll be blessed if you give and all that. Now he puts on there, he says, and, and it's not, I don't think it's going that well now. So it's going through a rough time. I, th- I mean, everything's paid and whatever, but it could have been much better. It's like they say all the charity organizations are really taking a knock with the economy because people give out of the abundance. You know, now if it's going a bit harder, it's, and the same with church. That's what happens. That's why you'll hear a, a really ham- message hammering the, the tie thing now because people are going through hard times. So, <clears throat> so he was now in this thing, you know, and that to him is an evil day. And I pray for him. That's an evil day for my friend. Because now, here you stand, I don't have the big BMW. I don't have the church with 5,000 people. But here the big shots say, all the big shots say, you must do this. But here I'm the small shot. And I don't believe in that. Now I am, there's an annoyance. There's a bombarding with works. That's towards him. And this is the day in which he should stand strong in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what who says. It's like I said last time. If it's only me and God, we're a majority. Amen. doesn't matter who, what, who says. If, <laughs> I mean, if you've got God and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all the angels in heaven, and all the people that has died, that got the correct information, that is now in heaven agreeing with you, and six billion people on the planet differing from you, who's right? So we can't look, we don't, we don't follow the faith of other people. We follow the truth of the gospel. Paul went so far to say, even if an angel of God, an angel, didn't say a demon, an angel, and here he comes with lightning, thus says the Lord, thou shalt do these things, you must now be circumcised to be, follow, and follow the customs of Moses. And you must follow the law now. You say to that angel, I declare that you are bringing the curse over me. Because curse is everyone that's under the law. I don't listen to you angel. Sorry. Come with a better message. Try again next week. (laughs) Hallelujah. There was times when I felt alone. You know, between big shots. Now do you know what's the definition of a big shot? It's a small shot away from home. <laughs> That's a big shot. So I, I was standing again. You know, when you feel lonely, you feel, am I the only one believing this? You are saying, well, it's not by my works, but those that are believing in the works, they are doing much better than what you are doing. And now Satan comes, and he comes with these devices to try and bombard you now, and you are standing in a day of labors. When labors is offered to you every second of the day, do this, do this, do this. Then you get the scripture in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me all you that labor. 
and are heavy laden. <laughs> and I will give you rest. Amen. Why do we want to run away now? You know, and from the gospel of grace, just because we're going through a hard time. Let me tell you something. Maybe situations in this world is not stable, but we are standing upon the rock, Jesus Christ. And we are not changing from this message. We are sticking to this. Hallelujah. And our war is to continue to believe this. We will continue to believe this. We don't care what situations say. We don't care what our body... You know, my friend Francis Latoy, his brother died <coughs> um, a week ago. His brother phoned him. He had cancer all over his, right through his body. He phoned him and said to him, My brother, I'm going to die. And tonight, today's my last day. I'm just phoning you to greet you. And um, people that was close to him, I think he lived in White River, that came to him, were just... As they walk in, he will just say, Thus is the Lord. Give them a prophetic word. You know, he's going to die today. And give everybody a prophetic word as they come into the house like that. And just, he just paused after giving a prophetic word and he said, I just feel Jesus in the place. He's come to fetch me. And he passed out and half an hour later he's dead. Isn't that awesome? Let me tell you something, even if he died, even if he had cancer in his body, when he died, cancer couldn't conquer him. Couldn't conquer him or go with him. Hallelujah. He is more than a conqueror. And I tell you, in the resurrection day, when Jesus returns, he will say, look at my brand new body. We'll laugh at death. Because we live in a victory much greater than what this world can offer. The greatest, highest life, with the greatest health and prosperity in this world, cannot offer what you carry in your spirit today. It's yours. <laughs> as a gift. Let's tap into this knowledge, and this truth, which Christ has freely bestowed upon all of us, included all of us, for He died for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Now, then he said to Francia, Francia also preaches grace. He said, my brother, I want to just say to you, I want to encourage you in the Lord. Doesn't matter what happened, keep on preaching this word. It's the only gospel. And I want to tell you, we, it doesn't matter what the battle is, doesn't matter what the situation is, we, we are strong in the Lord. We are strong in the Lord. We're not looking at the success of other people and what they do. We are looking, we, 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 when we look at the mountains, we say, where will my help come from? My help comes from God. And my help has manifested 2,000 years ago in the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm at peace with what He's done. That's the gospel, my friend. That's the good news. So when the evil day is there, do you know there's a scripture in the Bible that says, if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. Not if you've got double vision. If your eye is single, you don't see the law and grace. You only see one thing. I see Christ. That's what the Bible says. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. You don't have to complete your faith. He will complete whatever it is. Amen. We're not, we're not trying to add a little help here. Mary didn't go and say, you know, the angel didn't come to Mary and say, Mary, you know, you're going to be pregnant with the, with the Son of God. She says, what must I do to help you? 
She first declares their inability by her own works and says, by my own works I can't do this. How shall it happen? He says, by only by the Holy Spirit that will overshadow you. Not by your works, but by the Holy Spirit. And you know what she said then? Let it be done unto me. <laughs> I want to tell you, we stand here tonight in the presence of God that is within us. And we just say, let this grace message be done unto me. Hallelujah. Thank God for my neighbor, but let it be done unto me. Thank you, Jesus. It's for me. It's a time to think that we live by this message. We live by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We live by the embodiment of God in human flesh that made it possible for us to today, according to Colossians 2 verse 8 to 10, that we, the fullness of the Godhead that's in Christ bodily indwells us. The only problem why we struggle is because God took this awesome gift awesome, awesome the very glory of God and He placed it in an earthen vessel and the struggle we have is to distinguish between the vessel and the glory and we think we are, we are the vessel no, no, you are the glory it's like taking a diamond and putting it inside a, 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 a checker's bag you think it can't be valuable because look at the bag But then God's got a word in Romans 8. He says, listen, the diamond inside the bag has got the power to make the bag a diamond in the return of Jesus Christ. So don't look at the bag. Look at the diamond. Amen. You are valuable to God. Maybe you can struggle to get people to love you. But it's no struggle for God to be fond of you. To be madly in love with you. The Bible says we must love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul and all our strength. Guess what? He loves you with all His mind, all His soul, all His might and all His strength. For we cannot ask something from us that He's not prepared to do towards us. And we cannot do that unless He does it in us. Amen. We love Him. For he first loved us. Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, my God, that we can stand. So I want to say to you, and, and we're going to end it here. The power, we are strong in the Lord. Temptation is not to be tempted to eat a piece of chocolate. Temptation is to fall under the law. Temptation is, when I ate a piece of chocolate, the temptation comes to say, you've got no victory over your eating habits. You're a loser. The temptation is to believe that and to try to prove to yourself by eating right. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I'm trying to say. No, no. Thank you, Jesus, that I can walk in your victory. Maybe I've done this thing. That's not a good thing. But Lord, I want to thank you that I'm strong in your might and in your power of your resurrection. And even if this has happened, I confess. I, I, I homo logos. I speak the same word. I confess the word of God about this. 
I am in victory and I don't believe what has happened here. This is not God's word towards me. God's word stands forevermore. There was Jesus in the desert having nothing. Nothing. Not a cent. Nothing. You can have all the kingdoms. All the kingdoms. If you worship me. How would you worship Satan? What is, what is that worship? That worship. The worship of Satan is literally to follow his commands. Which is, you are not, you must become. Do it. You can be like God. Satan's plan was, let's make another God. Let's make another God. There's only one God. The only reason, the only way for you to be like God is for the only one God to live in you. Otherwise you'll never be like God. So Satan said, if we can get God out of something and make this thing act like God, he might be a God on his own. But you know what? I can act. Now you get these movies. You get these good actors. He can act like the perfect husband. But it doesn't make him the perfect husband. He can still be hooked on drugs, sleeping around, stealing, having no life. Because he was just acting. Acting cannot make you be something. So you can act like Jesus. You can do all the things Jesus did. But without God indwelling you, you are nothing. We are what He is. That's where our value comes from. So, our temptation, the temptation that comes towards us, that came towards Jesus, man, was tempted, He was tempted to fall away from the gospel of grace when hard times came. To say, well, let's work to make this thing work so that I can say again, I'm the blessed of God. No, no. We are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you for this gospel. I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you for the peace that we can live with. Thank you for your unconditional love that just surpasses all of our understanding. You're an awesome God. Thank you that we today don't have to be ashamed of this gospel. For it sets people so free. Now we've got some time left. I wanted just to, to keep your eyes closed. And just start to think of the splendor of our God. The splendor, the love that He has for us. That awesome peace. Just in your mind envision Him looking at you. And what you see in Him is a perfect reflection of what is in you. Hallelujah. Father, we don't have a checkers bag mentality or vision. Thank you for the diamond. The diamond Jesus Christ. And that we are cut from that. Amen. And Jesus lives in us. Your light is in us. Your revelation is in us. And we are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now maybe there are situations or things. I don't care if it's good or bad. But the temptation to I am not, I must become. I don't have, I must get. And the ten steps then. 
how to get it. I want to declare to you that's not the voice of God. That's not the voice of God. It was the voice of the friends of Job that was inspired by the devil that said, well, Job did something wrong. That's why it's going bad with him. Father, thank you that our works doesn't have anything to do with who we are before you. We rest in this gospel, my Father. I thank you, Lord, that you've empowered us to preach this gospel all over the world. Thank you, my Father. Amen, amen. You know, I said it this morning and we said it many times. You are the best proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You. You are. I spoke to one of my friends and we were talking about <clears throat> how difficult it will be to take video cameras and projectors to make an image that is really 3D. You know, where it looks like this. You can walk around it and see every side of it. You'll have to have cameras that, 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 that can, I mean, like these scans they take, the doctors take, that's like slices like this, you know, and, and put like thousands of them like that, and thousands of them like that, and then have projectors that can project it, and the light beams crossing each other, you know, to bring forth that illumination that you can see it, and then it will still just be a picture. But God thought of something bigger than that, which can't even be, be done by us. Maybe someday, I don't know. But can't be done by the human beings, by human beings today. But God thought of a better way of capturing His resurrection. And that's us. Hallelujah. It's us. If you want to look at the work of the cross, look at the one sitting next to you, look at yourself. It's the... Proof of the resurrection. I'm born from above. <laughs> My life doesn't originate on, in earthly things. The origin is the resurrection of Christ. I've believed upon it and by that faith I've had access into what has happened then. Oh man. Listen, if this doesn't set you on fire, your wood is wet. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Jesus.